Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe, and this is The Joe Martino Show. Today, I am excited to share with you an interview that I did with a colleague and uh, actually former professor, Catherine Mueller-Bell. There's a, more of an introduction for her in the interview that I'll get into. Uh, the interview, we're talking about a book that she is currently writing about disciplining our children. Uh, I do want to make every listener aware she does come from a very specific um, point of view and some people will at least relate to the broader scope of that some people will not in other words if you are kind of anti-religion you may not share her starting point um, and yet you might find the interview fascinating and I hope that you do um, as always interviewees opinions are their own and should not be construed as anything other than that their opinion where certainly though hers is an opinion that is rooted in years of research. She is a PhD holder and years of excellent practice. Also, if you want to uh, join in the therapy process with Catherine, call our office, 616-481-3784. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so I am here with uh, Catherine Mueller-Bell. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, a former uh, professor of mine for my master's in counseling, uh, a cornerstone here in the great Midwest, and now has moved back to the East Coast to the house that you uh, grew up in. Is that right? That's right. I'm in That's the Boston awesome. area. Yes. Right. Big Red Sox fan, unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> although I did see a picture the other day. Your son had a Pittsburgh Pirates hoodie on. I yes. have that exact hoodie. It, it warmed my heart. And did you yeah, see his yeah. New York hat? He had a New York I did. <laughs> I did. I was very excited. Uh, what we're getting together today to talk about is your book that, as, as of this recording, mm -hmm. you're in the process of a proposal for uh, writing for about spanking yes, and corporal punishment and your view is, is a little bit upstream as far as it's, it's going to take on the idea that, that spanking is good. Tell us a little bit about it. Where are you at in the process? What's going on as far as your side of that? Yes, yeah, so I'm excited to be in the book proposal writing stage. This will be my first book, and so I'm almost done with the proposal, and I'll submit that at the end of April of 2020 here, so I'm really excited uh, about that. I've been wanting to write this for a long time. I graduated with my PhD in 2014, and my dissertation was about this topic. Right. Uh, you were actually uh, one of the first professors that I had that introduced me to scholarly books that were actually against spanking. I had read scholarly books as far as outside of, of a religious environment, but uh, mm -hmm. I think the first book you introduced me to was Spare the Rod. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, which sits on my shelf right over there right now. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Tell me a little bit about the responses that you typically get mm -hmm. from people when you tell them your view of spanking. You know, a lot of times I get pushed back when I talk about it. You know, I was spanked and I turned out okay. Or the church has, has interpreted these passages this way for thousands of years. I assume you get those same types of pushback. How do you handle that? 
yeah, I do get consistent uh, resistance uh, to the topic or even discussing it, which really spurs me on even more because I really hope we can start to have a dialogue. And that resistance to the conversation concerns me. So the book that I'm writing, um, I have an audience of my evangelical brothers and sisters in mind. So I'm choosing okay. uh, two Christian publishers to send it to. Okay. And I'm hoping to break down some of that resistance to open up the conversation so that we can think critically about it and make sure we really understood the passages from scripture well, that we're in conversation about that and making informed decisions about such an important topic. So, awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, something that wasn't on the discussion list of questions that we talked about, but that I've thought about since then is you're a female, you are a professor and practitioner in a soft science, in a field, you know, counseling, social work, that typically the church has not looked favorably upon, mm -hmm. to, to be blunt. Yeah. How, how do you handle, do you get that kind of pushback when you have the conversation? You know, I, I find people can be somewhat dismissive of my mm -hmm. female colleagues. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you handle that type of resistance? Well, first I understand that just the history of understanding gender in a lot of evangelical communities, um, it's a developmental process as we try to understand who image bearers are. And so in my mind, male and female are both, we see in Genesis. And so I have right. that conviction. And so I come to the conversation with confidence because of that. Okay. And so I, I really, my goal is to invite people to consider the male and female perspective because we get closer to the image of God, we get closer to understanding uh, the mind and heart of God and to understand the identity of Christ. And so I, I actually don't find the resistance shocking as a female professional. Um, I do understand it comes from a lot of history and I have a lot of patience with that. But I also am very uh, passionate about furthering the understanding of the identity of women as a, st a strength, as an image bearer. And so my, my goal is to be part of that conversation to dispel some of those myths and some of those distortions that some folks have in the evangelical community about women. And so there's a lot of uh, female leaders that are uh, quite godly and quite um, involved in not only counseling, but in theology and Bible uh, scholarship. So I love being part of that development. And I hope that okay. that continues development for years to come. So awesome. I'm proud uh, to be part of that. <laughs> right. It, it is an exciting time. I think it's one of the things that I love about being alive today mm -hmm. is we are at a place where at least we're having these discussions. Yeah. Great. Where when I was a kid, I feel like it was either you were discussions about spanking were kind of like political discussions today. You're either all the way over there, you're all the way over there. There's yeah. no middle ground to find. Mm -hmm. And at least they're starting to happen, I hope. Uh, tell me how, how do you, earlier when we were talking, just kind of getting ready for this, you talked about how resistance actually inspires you to a little bit more to really want to kind of push for the conversation. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? you know, with, with your colleagues, with people in churches, how, how do you do that in a way that you find to be true to you? I think it's all about the relationship. To start by listening well to others. I try to listen. I try to approach the topic in a sensitive way because it is such a personal topic. It conjures up all kinds of uh, 
images of childhood and the need to protect parents and sort of we can get defensive about those issues. So sure. I try to approach it in a respectful way and listen first and then invite people to consider whether they'd want to hear a different perspective on such an important topic like uh, raising children, how to discipline children. And right. so I, I try to just handle it in a patient, trustworthy way. And some folks are not interested. Right. And some right. folks are. So I'm, I'm hoping through the book that it can at least create more conversation is what I'm interested in. I'm not trying to convince anybody of, you know, taking my view. I'm a teacher. So I want to promote right. diverse perspectives. But in this book, I will, for the first time, take my a position that I have. Right. which I couldn't really share in the dissertation because in a dissertation, it has to be so objective and right. present the data from my um, right. sample group. So this will be the first time I take a position against using uh, corporal punishment or spanking children um, in the effort to discipline them. Right. It's interesting. My wife and I are in the process of writing a book uh, kind of as an, as a, attachment to the book that I wrote a couple years ago called the raising the emotionally secure child and and we're in the outlining phase and one of the things that we talk about a lot with people is I'm not interested in punishing my children uh, even from a biblical point of view I'm interested in training them yes. which is a lot of discussion it is a lot of mm -hmm. hey how is what you're doing helping you become the adult that you want to be that you've mm -hmm. told me you want to be and even in the room, when I deal with it with, with, with uh, clients, there's mm -hmm. almost always one who kind of gets hooked up on, yeah, but there's no punishment for what they did. Mm -hmm. And you can just watch the confusion in their eyes when I'm like, yeah, because I'm not interested in punishing them. Yeah, I'm interested in helping them. <laughs> and, and a lot of times we meld those two words, punishment and help. Yes. Uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, um, tell me your most frustrating pro-spanking argument. Okay, let's One see. One that you hear a lot. There are many. Yes. I would say, uh, because some people will say the child is not rational at age one or two or, you know, a, an infant. And so they have to have the experience of physical pain to get their attention. That's the oh, first yes. one that uh, yes. concerns me. The second one is I turned out okay. So, yes. you know, I was spanked and I turned out okay. Yeah, so those are the most crazy. popular ones. Yes. And the other one that, uh, that, that I just find so frustrating is you can't reason with a child. Yeah. And I, I always say, yeah, I agree with you. You can't. Yeah. Uh, and the, the one that I spanked and I turned out okay, I've actually, unfortunately, I've lost friendships wow. over that because I've actually said to them, that's not really an argument. Mm -hmm. You know, and how many people would we need to find that were spanked and didn't turn out okay? To, to sway the argument and uh it's unfortunate stop being defensive about it you know by even yep. just taking stock of our own lives and we can do that in a way where we still honor our caregivers yes we can yep. still look at what do we want to carry on what do we want to leave behind so that yes. defensiveness worries me because i think it's hard to make change in our life if we're so defensive and protective yes. so my my goal is to just try to um, soften those walls of defensiveness and open up the conversation. Yes. Because that's, a, that's how we grow, I think. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I love to do with people is just kind of present the idea. Yeah. And I always tell them, you don't have to agree with me, yeah. but I win, air quotes, 
if three days from now you're still mulling over this conversation, yeah. you, you know, even if you end up disagreeing with me, so be it. Yeah. Uh, you know, another topic on parenting that I'm very passionate about is co-sleeping. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and I told him, I said, you don't have to agree with me. Mm-hmm. I just hope that I've opened up dialogue for you to think about things broader than what we've walked into. I used to be the parent that was pro-spanking. And as my wife challenged me on it, read some books, started to kind of like, oh, you know, the, yeah, let's look at this differently. That's great, Joe. Wow. Um, so what do you say to parents who spank their kids? Mm-hmm. Now their kids are adults and the parents feel that their parenting method is being attacked. Mm-hmm. Or, and I find this one a lot, like I have a friend who's very, very adamantly pro-spanking. Mm-hmm. And her argument is my kids are all very successful adults. Mm-hmm. So obviously it worked. Yeah. How do you handle that conversation? Well, I think there's different types of success, you know, and what I, what I like to talk to parents about is I think it's wise as a, a parent of adult children. And I have two, two sons for us to take stock and reflect on how we parented and in our conversations with our adult children, admit any mistakes you think we might've made um, be firm in different approaches that we took and that we felt were healthy, but to really be open to that constructive, um, thought and constructive criticism from others, because we all make mistakes as parents. I mean, the reality, you know, as a parent myself, we all make mistakes. So I really want to encourage the idea of some humility in the, the parents, Uh, mental posture when they reflect on these things with their adult kids to maybe even say, I, you know, I think I made a mistake in this area and I'm sorry. Yes. It's very healing. It's a very healing thing for adult children. So there's different types of success. Maybe they're really strong. And as far as our cultural expectations of making a living and functioning as an adult, but maybe they might be challenged to be emotionally available. Right. And so as counselors, you know, Joe, we look at these, the different domains of our humanity. And really right, what right. I'm, as a counselor, trying to help folks do is protect their humanity, their, their connect the head and the heart. Right. And so it depends on what type of success we're talking about. Yes, I think that's a great response. It's certainly, I, I, I like to have that conversation with people. But success has to be, there has to be a broader definition mm-hmm. than just their, you know, successfully in their field you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the things that, that and we touched on this a little bit earlier that I often run into is people tell me, well, you can't argue with a child. You can't reason with a child. Yeah. And that's why they spank. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that conversation? Um, you know, when you're talking to people, maybe, you know, as a counselor, mm-hmm. as an author, who's about to take an opinion, well, express an opinion that you've already taken that is not going to be very popular. It's a little bit of you know, swimming upstream against yes. the current, so to speak. How do you handle that argument? Well, you can't reason with kids. What I first respond is um, children are at different developmental points and the way we communicate with them does change as they grow older. So they're right. There's a certain point where you can't really reason, but uh, the physical means of actually um, trying to teach them something could really, I think, backfires because of what happens when a child feels afraid for their sure. physical safety. 
So I don't think they're really listening anymore. And they're certainly not going to be able to reason when they're feeling afraid and they're, they're struck physically. Because sure. all different things happen in the body and in the brain when that happens. When we think about just sort of the, our nervous system and how the brain functions, all of a sudden that child who maybe you're arguing can't reason, they really can't now because right. they're, they're having to go into that fight or flight mode or right, freeze right. mode as we're learning in the research where they might just numb out. And so there's a whole nother level of that conversation to help parents tune in to what's happening in the cognitive domain that of course they're not able to reason like a 30 year old, 40 year old parent, uh, right, but right. that they have the capacity to learn. They do have the capacity to learn um, as they are growing, no matter what age they are as a child. So we want to optimize their capacity to learn by making sure that, that we are providing a safe form of discipline. And I think we'd all agree children need discipline. That's not my argument. You know, they need guidance. They need clear discipline from their parent or their caregiver. But to do it in a way that the child is receptive to and actually internalizes the reasoning and it expands their ability to reason because they're right, not right. feeling afraid. Yeah, one of the one things of the that things we talk that we... a lot about is how people really spanking is the ultimate expression of intensity. Mm -hmm. And I always ask people, where do you go next? Okay, so you spank them. Yeah. And then if they run into an issue again, an hour later, two hours later, you kind of exhausted your intensity bucket. The only thing you can do is go back and hit them harder or longer. Like there's not a lot of other options. That's true. And, and it becomes really, to me, I always ask parents, what's the goal? Is it to stop this behavior right now mm -hmm. alone? Or is it to stop the behavior and, and, and point them towards who they're becoming? Yes. And you know, even a 30 year old, like your son is 29. If I inflicted pain on him, yeah. well, he's a big boy, so I probably wouldn't be able to do it. But <laughs> If I did, uh, <laughs> there comes a point where the brain just shuts off and you're just in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Yeah. And, and we have to embrace that side of it. Uh, you know, earlier we were talking and you mentioned this, and that maybe I think the, the listeners would appreciate this. Science, social science seems to be pretty settled on the oh. topic. Oh, yeah. That spanking is detrimental. How do you handle people? Confirmation bias, self-serving bias is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. How do you handle people who are like, oh, well, that's just because they're liberal, they're, they're mm -hmm. against whatever. How do you handle that conversation? Yeah, that's people? a common conversation. Yes. Uh, the way I handle it is to then start to rely on what do Bible scholars and theologians say about this topic. Now, I stay in my lane as a counselor, as a Christian counselor, uh, PhD level. I do stay in my lane. I don't uh, presume to be a, an expert in theology and Bible, but I interview Bible scholars on this topic, and that's what I'm doing for this book. So I'll be presenting their perspective and fusing the psychological perspective. Because you're right, social scientists have addressed it, um, and some Christian literature has addressed it, and they have a very uh, polarized view of this topic. I haven't seen many books written about, from a Christian evangelical point of view, about the psychological effect on the child. And there will be resistance because of the fear that, that science, social science, is, um, 
not um, reliable, not trustworthy because of the bias. And what I would say is our mental health is part of our humanity from a biblical perspective. When you look at the biblical narrative and study the different parts of humanity, our emotional health is part of our identity as Christians. And so I do think we have to be cautious and leery of some theories in psychology that were born out of atheism. I think that's a good pushback. I, as you know, as I used to be your professor, I think critically about those theories, that there are some uh, distortions in those theories. So I join them in that caution. But I also invite them to consider that the psychological uh, domain is part of our human nature. As we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at uh, different experiences in biblical times of the men mental and physical and spiritual health. So I present a holistic perspective and invite people to consider that we're not just one dimensional, that we are multidimensional as image bearers and that that sometimes will further the conversation and there's less resistance because I'm also cautious about some of the theories in social science. So I think that that's sure. where we find common ground so I look for common ground for ways we can join together in the conversation. Because really what I'm hoping is that folks make an informed decision, whatever they decide. Right. And I'm presenting one view to perhaps consider other forms of um, raising children, disciplining children that do not involve physical means or a physical approach or any type of aggression or violence in any way. Right. Uh you know, one of the things that you were talking about there is the the holistic approach. One of the things, that, as I engage that with people, is I'll often ask them, you know, for the sake of the argument, let's just say you're right that spanking does work. What's the cost? Yeah. And, and I find that that's not a question that as a society we've asked much. I don't think we've asked that enough. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and when you start having that conversation, like what – you know, what's the cost? Like I could go buy a, a sports car right now, but I've got, you know, four kids. Yeah. Yeah. I could afford it, but, but what's the cost, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's the same principle. Uh, and sometimes, like you said earlier, sometimes people want to have that conversation. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Uh, do you have, oh, go ahead. yeah, I think the price is high. You bring up a great point, Joe. I think the cost is high and the price is high. Cause we think yeah. about when we're raising children, Hopefully, we want to raise children that are compassionate and empathic. Yes. To me, the, the quality and virtues of being empathic really lend themselves well to being an amazing citizen locally and a global citizen, to care about other. Yes. And I yes. do think we are infringing on that when we start to use means that, uh, of parenting that instill fear and cause the child to... Um, go into that fight, flight, or freeze mode, the freeze mode concerns me, I'd say, the most. Sure. You know, a part of them that has to become numb because feeling that intense fear is just... And so that disconnect from their emotional life concerns me greatly. Yes. Um, I think the cost is potentially high. That's not true for every child. They all have different temperaments, you know. But some children are more sensitive to stimuli than others. Yes. Yep. And, and what I find is one of the things when I'm working with adults, there are certain things that show up in the room and I'll almost always know at some point now I'm going to have to bring up, Hey, let me guess. One of your parents was very physical 
in their nature of discipline. Yeah. And they're always like, yeah, how do you know? I'm like, well, you see it, you know, the connections. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have a working title? I know eventually the publisher will pick it for you, but do you have a working title? Well, I have about 10 that I'm proposing. In the book proposal, they ask you to come up with about 10 different potential titles. Right. So I'm not really uh, settled on one yet. I'm very open to the feedback from the publisher. So I don't have my heart set on one. Okay. Um, I do have my heart set on the topic of um, presenting my opinion because it's the first time I'm actually presenting my opinion because like I said in the dissertation they're not concerned with that at all right right yeah. so right uh, as you do that and as you embrace this this conversation is there a concern of yours that people are going to kind of freeze you out at all earlier we were talking my wife and I do parenting conferences mm -hmm. and I actually had somebody for a long time they just wouldn't pull the trigger and I couldn't understand why and it was all about the spanking yeah you know, which is really about an hour of the conference, you know, an eight hour conference. That's about one, one hour of it. Wow. Do you, do you have like, how are you processing that for your own self? Right. I mean, we all have a view of what we'd like the world to treat us like. Yeah. Yeah. I feel ready for that um, resistance. I feel ready for um, the rejection that it'll bring because that, that's part of it, you know? Yes. Um, and so to me, it's worth it to invite the people that are interested in the conversation and for those that are resistant just to plant a seed would mean a lot and to develop those relationships so i don't worry about being uh, sort of uh, rejected or sort of blacklisted from certain things uh, because i think i feel called to write this spiritually sure. so it's sort of beyond it's bigger than me the calling and so i'm ready for whatever uh, comes my way with it. So the good, the, the, the challenges, the, um, and, and I'm, I'm really excited to think about those that might reject it initially and then years later might revisit that. Yeah, that's always exciting. Yeah. You brought up calling. One of the things I know for me, I was talking to a friend of mine and I'm like, you know, I have all these books in my head and like, I feel called to share it. And if I don't write it, it's like it bubbles out of you. Like you got to yeah. get it on paper right. and share it with somebody. That's right. You know, it's the only book I feel really called to write. Really, my whole okay. life. Really. All right. That's I have awesome. called to write this book, and I might write more, but this is the one I've always wanted to share out of love uh, to my sort of a a love letter and an invitation to my evangelical Christian brothers and sisters. Now, is this been like a lifelong calling? Did it kind of start when you had kids? When you reflected on your own childhood? Where did it? I think a lifelong calling. I've always awesome. somehow been drawn to be an advocate for children. I'm okay. very interested in child welfare. I'm very okay. interested in social justice. That's what drew me into the helping profession, really, more than counseling, was looking at uh, some of the injustices in the world. And I always had a, a burden for children that are um, disenfranchised or on the margins, uh, children that don't have a voice. And I do see them as one of the most vulnerable populations in the world. Yes. And I'm fascinated that, um, I don't know if you've read up on the, how many countries where it's illegal to spank a child, even to, you know, to, to yep. tap your hand. There's over 48 countries that's illegal. So in my right. dissertation research, I was fascinated by that, to learn that there are places in the world that do not allow this. And I don't think that'll ever happen in the U.S. Um, because of the Constitution and... Um, 
And there was one uh, political leader that tried to ban spanking in California, and it was thrown out pretty quick. Right. So I right. think there'll yeah. always be that right to do that. Um, but that makes me even uh, more interested in the United States to bring up this conversation, especially for, in the Christian community. One of the things that I'm passionate about, and, and I feel like I picked up on it in you as well when, when, when you were my professor, is there has to be people who are willing to call all of society to question whatever it is we're doing. Yeah. To just question it. You don't even, like I always tell clients, you don't, I care less about the what, much more about the why. Yeah. But we have to question, like, why are we doing this? Why? What's the price? What's the cost? What's the value? What's the return? Mm -hmm. And as we seek certainty more and more as a society, the questioners are, are, are they're, they're almost anathema mm-hmm. to people because it's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And, and yet without the questioning, that scares me. Just to be really, that scares me. What does it mean if we stop questioning? Right. It's the only way so, we grow is that humility, yes. that vulnerability is the only way we're going to grow. And that's why yes. I want to invite even a parents of adult children to reflect on uh, ways that they may have made mistakes and maybe um, apologizing to our adult children if you think that because we all do and yes. but not overdoing that but really reflecting being honest about um, that parenting is one of the hardest jobs but well one of the best you know jobs labor yes. of love that I've adored it's been my favorite role in my life yes but, Reflecting on that and looking at for all of us, and I ask myself the same thing I'm asking people to do. So I, I do appreciate that approach you take about asking those questions that promote critical thinking, making informed decisions. And I'm not going to be trying to trying to convince anybody to follow right. my view. It's more I'll share my view and then say, "What do you think?" You know, in the yes. book, very much of a conversational yes. type of book. Yes, just invite the conversation. One of the things that uh, I love to say about parenting, because I have found it true, I have four kids, seven to 17, there's no greater endeavor that will invite you to regret than parenting. Even if it turned out all right, you'll look back and think of 26 different ways you could have done it. I know, I know. And at the same time, I agree with you 100%. I love being a dad. It is so much fun. Gosh, the best. And terrifying all at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you'd want to tell to the listeners? Uh, anything at all that we haven't covered? Yeah, I want to encourage them to look at Dr. Nadine uh, Burke Harris's work. She's a pediatrician and the Surgeon General for the state of California. She's done a lot of research about what she calls ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. And yeah. she's looked at trauma and she takes the view that corporal punishment and any kind of physical spanking for some children is traumatic, especially children with sensitive temperaments that are sensitive to stimuli. You see some autistic children, some children who have sensory uh, sensitivity and even resilient children, how it affects them to be struck by the person that's supposed to be the most trustworthy person in their life. So I encourage people to look at that research uh, she does come from a medical perspective, but I think in the evangelical world, we can benefit from learning from different disciplines in the medical field, in mental health, yes. uh, and to think critically about um, all of these 
social sciences and medical sciences from a Christian biblical worldview and then live in the tension of looking for distortions, looking for the truth. And the goal really for me is to go come closer to the mind and heart of God on any topic. And so I'm going to admit that I'm wrong anytime I think that it is not biblical or godly. But I'm right. opening up the question, how would um, God want us to raise our children? How would he want us to discipline our children? It's clear that he would want us to discipline our children. There's so many passages in scripture that talk about that. But how we do it, I think, is the question. I really think yes. that's the main question I hope to get across. And I don't believe that the passages I've studied for my dissertation from the Bible, I do not believe they're promoting hitting a child. I believe they're promoting disciplining a child. Right. And sometimes we take that out of context. We put it in a literal um, frame. And I want to encourage people to revisit those passages. And as I interview Bible scholars, mostly Old Testament scholars, about the passages in Proverbs, about what did those mean? What did God intend by those uh, statements? Because I'm a believer that the Bible is inerrant. It is the authority. And so I will forever be humble and reverent to that. And right. so how can we look at this? And many Bible scholars are saying that, that I'm interviewing, that it is not meant to promote this idea of hitting children. It never was meant to promote that. Right. And that we perhaps have misinterpreted that. And sometimes we pass on what we've learned from our parents, from our pastors, and we might just pass them on. I'm just inviting people to think critically about it, make sure we're really understanding this well, and come together as a community for the conversation. Yeah, I think one of the things that I love there, you use the word discipline. I think because the English language is so vast yeah. and it has so many different words, we've melded some. And, and I think two words that we've melded is discipline and punishment. Yes. And, 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 and punishment, it's punitive. That's, that's the origin of the word. Yeah. And discipline is training. Yeah. And, and for people to be able to, and then the other phrase that you use that I love is living in that tension, you know, cause there are times, you know, I'm in the thick of it. You know, my oldest is 17, my youngest is seven, 14 mm -hmm. and 15. There's times it's just, I know that what you did right here, I don't want you to do, but I'm not sure how to best respond. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you that I don't want you to do it. And I'll let you know in 24 to 36 hours, what's going to happen because I need time to process it. Yes. Because I want to direct you, not because I want to punish you. Yes. You're and, good. And teacher. living in that tension. Living, yeah. in, I hope so. Living in that tension. Yeah. Oh, and right, I well, talk about that in the book, the history of why we think of punishment when we think of discipline. And it really dates back um, to when you look at some of the um, laws about children as property and women as property. Yes. And so um, the, the punitive model and the model of punishment has a strong history, but things have changed over the years with child welfare um, systems. Some countries still do not have child welfare. The United right. States has a developed child welfare system. And so to start to think about the consequence model, so lots of books in social science uh, that we've probably both read talk about more the consequence model, the teaching model. Right. And we can start to away from the punitive model that was problematic for a lot of years for a lot of centuries for folks as right. we see children as human as image bearers 
and not seen as property to control. So there's a whole history I write about in the book of why that is and how we can transcend that as Christians to be thoughtful uh, parents with Christ-centered parenting. So sometimes I re-engage my East Coast roots. And of course, I grew up in Pennsylvania, just a little bit north of Philly, where we tend to get a little snarky. And sometimes when I'm sitting around a campfire having this conversation with friends, I'll say, you know, the problem is kids aren't pets. Yeah. And often the parenting that I feel is being espoused by a lot of people, it's pet training. Yeah. And I don't even strike my pets. Like that's not a good way to train pets. Right. You know, I have a friend that's literally a shepherd and he will say, you know, because of course, spray the rods, pull the child. He's like, you don't use the rod to beat the, the sheep, right? you use the rod to redirect it one Got time. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Love yeah, it. literally that's his profession. Yeah. People, people push back on him. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much for coming oh, on today. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I really appreciate it. Well, you were just one of the best students that I had. And it's great to see you as a colleague now. And uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay, so that was Catherine Mueller-Bell. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, Certainly a hot-button topic. Just last night, I was scrolling through Instagram stories. I actually probably like Instagram a little bit better than Facebook because it's just pictures of people's lives. But I was scrolling through stories, and someone, I don't even remember who, but somebody put up, I think we can all agree that the get-your-ass-beat generation produced better citizens than the timeout generation. And I was a little disappointed because the person who put it up, I didn't think, had that point of view. Uh, And and maybe some of you listening agree with it. I do not, as you probably picked up in the interview. Um, I'm not a fan of timeouts, though, either. I think there are better ways to discipline. However, I hope you enjoyed the interview. And wherever you fall on the spectrum of how you utilize or don't utilize corporal punishment... I hope that this interview gives you room to stop and think, and I hope when the book comes out that you purchase it. As always, if you found value in this, please share it with your friends. I appreciate that so much. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.